Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. scheduled programming i'm ashley and i'm joe and like a mullet we got business in the front and party in the back uh the business is our social media uh instagram and tiktok regularly scheduled pod on twitter you can find us at rsp pod you can email us if you'd like a regularly scheduled pod at gmail.com and if you still use facebook you can find us at regularly scheduled programming podcast, but to be honest, we probably won't be there very much. <laughs> that went smoother than I expected. <laughs> so, what are we and what are we doing here? Um, Ashley and I watch a fair amount of TV and movies, and quite frequently they spark conversations between us, and we just felt like somebody out there may want to hear those conversations. And apparently, if you're listening to this, you're one of those people. So, uh, do we want to talk about what we've been watching? Well, yeah, that's why we're here. Um, we can start with comfort watching. I think most people know what comfort watching is. Uh, it's just, it's for us, it's stuff that we've seen multiple times. Right, we could just kind of have on, we're having dinner, don't really know what else to watch, don't have like a new something to watch, so we just kind of put it on. Yeah, so right now we are comfort watching one of my all-time favorite shows, The Unit, which everybody should watch. Yes. Um, no, Grant, nah, I don't know. It's not for everyone because it's, you know, it's a military show and a lot of people aren't into that. But I've seen the entire series probably 15 times. Well, for me, like, I wouldn't necessarily think that I'm one to be into military shows. But I really like the show for the character development and the wives and their relationships. Yeah, and, you know, it does have some lighter elements to it. It is a fairly serious show, which is uh, uh, contradictory to what I think a lot of people are watching right now, which is stuff to make you laugh and kind of ease the tension a little bit. Which is like our other comfort show that we're currently watching. <laughs> we are also watching Friends. Um, which we've both each seen probably a hundred times. <laughs> well, I don't know if I've seen it a hundred times, but... But, but yeah, that's that. something we watch frequently. It's it's something that we just put on when we're doing other things a lot of times. Ultimately, we end up uh, starting that way and then we start actually watching the entire thing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when you get through like seasons two through seven, that's like the real sweet spot. Yeah, it... Um... Oh, wow. I had a train of thought and it just completely went away. <laughs> I'm sure that will happen a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um... Everyone just kind of... Bear with us while we work through these first few episodes. <laughs> yeah, this is a very new thing for us, so hopefully uh, it gets better and we as we get more comfortable. And hopefully um, you guys notice that. Yeah, okay, so 
Um, other than that, I watched a couple of movies this week. Well, okay. one of them we watched. It may have been this week. It may have been Saturday last week. Uh, but we watched Shang-Chi. Yes. Well, I fell asleep watching <laughs> Shang-Chi, which just, that's kind of a running gag of our relationship, me falling asleep watching things. Yes, it says, both... it, it says nothing about the movie itself because we both love the movie. That's what I was just about to say. It, that's not a reflection on Shang-Chi. It is a wonderful movie. Probably one of my top of the MCU. Uh, Shang-Chi is fighting hard to dethrone my top MCU movies. It is, it's definitely a contender. Which maybe one day we'll do like a rundown of our favorite MCU movies because we do absolutely love the MCU. Yeah. Um, other than that, I watched The Sandlot because I love that movie. It just, it, it's, I think that's the kind of movie that people watch and man, I wish my childhood was like that. Yeah, I think so too. It's very nostalgic. And I'm sure... And like, we're not that old. It's not like we lived in that... Or grew up in that time frame. No, but we grew up when The Sandlot came out. So it is nostalgic yes. movie, but not nostalgic in the way that, like, we're both kids that grew up in that era. <laughs> we're both in our mid-30s. It's just fun. It, it's such a fun, lighthearted movie. It is. Even when you uh, realize plot holes, like I did. <laughs> Do you want to talk about that plot so, hole? <laughs> so here's the thing. You know, uh, Benny busts the guts out of the baseball... And they're all standing around staring at it. And Smalls is like, you know, I have a ball at home. And he runs home and he gets the Babe Ruth signed baseball that his stepdad owns. Very beginning of the movie, though, he is playing catch with his stepdad. They have a baseball in that house that is not signed by one of the greatest ball players ever. Granted, a lot of people probably realized this plot hole, you know, when the movie came out. I didn't. It took me until I was until this year when I watched it just a couple days ago. Yeah, I never realized that before. I don't know. I just, personally, I get lost in the movie and I don't really pick out a lot of plot holes. So, I, with movies and shows, like, a lot of those things just go right over my head until I've seen it for, like, the hundredth time. I know. You and I both, like, we'll be watching a show and then I'll pop on Twitter and they'll be like, this plot hole and this plot hole. And I'm just like, wait, did that just totally go over my head? Because I was just sitting here enjoying this thing. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's, that's the stuff I watched, or that's the one thing I watched on my own. Um, do we want to move into, like, the meat? Well, I watched some stuff on my own. Oh, yeah, that's true. But I do watch quite a few shows all by myself. <laughs> so, um, Sunday night is Euphoria Night, which I just recently got into. Um, I am fully caught up, and, um, in case you guys, we really need to say up front, there will be spoilers for everything we talk about. And as far as like new shows, um, I guess we'll try to say what the episode number is that we left off on, but we record this on probably a weekend day. So most likely if the show aired, we watched it. Just assume um, spoilers. That's the same Yeah, just threat. assume spoilers because we're not going to be like, ooh, spoiler alert. If we're talking about something, we're probably going to spoil it. Um. So yeah, Euphoria this week. Um, I'm tripping out about Cal's breakdown still, which I actually had Joe come in and watch, even though he has no idea what's going on in the show. Yeah, I just saw some dude with his dick out. <laughs> and it was out for quite a while. He was just letting it hang. Um, but I find the show fascinating. Um, 
I know some people compare this show to like Skins. I never watched that. To me, it's kind of like a darker, edgier Degrassi, which HBO Max is also going to be doing Degrassi. So I'm really interested to see how that's going to go. Um, let's see. I watch some reality TV. <laughs> so I watch The Bachelor, uh, which if any of you watch The Bachelor, I have to say like Shanae's the worst, best villain, but I'm really ready to see her off the show. Um, and I watch Married at First Sight. Try to think of what else I watch on my own. Sex in the City. Uh, so I always try to approach my TV watching from a place of love. <laughs> I don't have a lot of love for that show right now. I just feel like they try to do a lot of really progressive things and they failed spectacularly. <laughs> But with that in mind, if they announce that surprise they filmed season two already and it's starting next week, I would 100% watch it. So I don't know what that says about me as a person. <laughs> and then, I don't know, we, we both watched This Is Us, but that was my show to start with. Yeah, you had me catch up on it over this last summer. I uh, did. And it's good. Uh, it's not a show that I would choose to watch on my own. Uh, but I'm enjoying it. I like it. It's extremely well made is the thing. Like, I can acknowledge that even though I wouldn't choose to watch it on my own, they are crushing it. Yeah, the only thing I'm nervous about is I really don't want to hate Toby. If they make me hate Toby, I will stop watching the show. <laughs> unless it happens on, well, you know, unless they wait until the very last episode. But yeah. if, if on the next episode they do something to make me dislike Toby, I'll just stop watching. Yeah, I won't because it's really close to the end and I want to see how it ends, but I won't be happy. I will do it out of protest. <laughs> uh, but other than that, I'm really enjoying season six. Um, contrary to popular opinion, I really love season five. I love the way they included COVID, but I will say that I am also happy that season six basically acts like everything is right in the world again so it's like a little bit of an escape from real world <laughs> all right now i guess we can get into the things we watch together okay so this will be the bulk of the episode yeah do you want to start with book of boba fett or what you just watched a couple minutes ago why don't we go ahead and talk about well i'll we say i think i would prefer to talk about book of boba fett first okay um but it's up to you i was going to say the opposite but i'm fine talking about book of boba fett because i want to talk about both okay so book of boba fett um again spoilers, spoilers. episode six or chapter six everything up to episode six is what we're going to be talking about yeah and uh disclaimer Neither of us are big Boba Fett fans. As a matter of fact, I am quite opposed to Boba Fett. And it's no for no other reason than he does nothing for me in the original trilogy. And for me, to be honest, I knew who Boba Fett was. But for me, I'm just like, that's a guy that, you know, got eaten in the Sarlacc pit. I don't give a crap about him. <laughs> um. So... Starting from a stance of, I don't like this character. And I'll, I'll admit, you know, maybe it's a little, uh, you know, fanboy of me, but he gets so much praise from a lot of hardcore Star Wars fans. 
and I don't understand why. Um, and it's my one little caveat I give give myself to just not like something. Um, so going into the show, though, I consciously was trying to put my bias aside and be like, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to let them change my mind. I want them to change my mind. I want to love this show and this character. And we both were kind of excited about uh, Ming-Na's character. I love Ming-Na and everything she's in. Yeah, so that was kind of like, okay, we're watching this Boba Fett thing, but there's this other character we kind of like, and maybe they'll change our mind about Boba Fett. Yeah, um, and unfortunately my stance on this show since about episode three, (laughs) uh, actually probably episode two, has been Boba Fett is the least interesting thing in every scene. Um, even the flashbacks when he's with the Tuscans, every Tuscan that you see in my, it it just, it it captivated me more than everything Boba Fett was doing. Right. And I really enjoyed the whole thing with the Tuscan Raiders. I thought that was really interesting. Um, I don't have another word to say, but interesting, but I was just really into it. And then they massacred them all. And I was like, oh God, we're just stuck with Boba Fett again. Um, and I think he, I think Joe and I both felt that way through episode four, and we went into episode five thinking, okay, here we go again, Boba Fett. Uh, and we were surprised to see there was no Boba Fett in chapter five. Yep. Well, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was it was shocking, and we were, it, you know, you start off and you're like, okay, they're not doing an episode of the book of Boba Fett with Boba Fett in it. You watch the episode, and you're like, it was a great episode. Like, of The Mandalorian. One of the best episodes of The Mandalorian there is. Some of the visuals from The Night of a Thousand Tears, I think is what they called it, the the raid on Mandalore. It's visually amazing. The storytelling that they pack into it, all the all the back uh, story, the, the lore, just everything about it is, it's chock full of information. And then for me, I'm like, you know, finish that episode. It's like, okay, that was an interesting thing to do. Throw an episode of The Mandalorian in. To show what he's been doing because at the end of that episode, Fennec approaches him about helping Boba Fett. And you're like, okay, cool. I get why they did it. It's one episode out of the season of the Book of Boba Fett without Boba Fett. And then you get to chapter six. And there is like 12 seconds of Boba Fett in chapter six. And we're like, okay, but chapter six was chopped full of glee (laughs) for me like every few seconds i was like oh my god r2 oh my god grogu (laughs) yeah it was it was great and then i'll I'll put my big exclamation point out there what made the episode for me everything else was great it would have been a great episode without this the second cad bane showed up oh my god uh one of my all-time favorite star wars characters um great in the clone wars where he was introduced such a badass in that in that show and in every appearance he's had since then um and the fact that they brought him to a live action series it's afterthought it's not that surprising i'm pretty sure dave filoni created the character and of course dave filoni is going to bring the character into future bring his characters into future things that he's doing but i just i love that character so much and to see him be brought in is amazing and then i also had the thought of they brought cad bane in and they're gonna have boba fett kill him and being someone who's not a big boba fett fan <laughs> made me a little sad i'm like no cad bane 
would murder Boba Fett. Yeah. Um, so me personally, like, I haven't watched the Clone Wars extensively. So for me, I pretty much only know who Cad Bane is because Joe has a fairly extensive action figure collection. and It's not that bad. <laughs> I could quit anytime I want. Yeah, we'll, we'll post some pictures on the social media. After I dust them. <laughs> right. Um, but so I, I know who Cad Bane is in, term, in those terms. And so when we see that silhouette of Cad Bane walking toward um, Vamp. Yeah. Um, I instantly am like, oh my God. She picked Joe up is- on it before I did. Joe is going to lose it. I look at Joe and he just has this like face where he's trying to figure out who it is. It's, it's just me thinking, oh, they're bringing somebody in to be a challenge. And I'm like, who is it? This is going to be, this is potentially going to be a really cool character. And for me, I was I'm like, not expecting it to be someone we knew. I already know. The only person I know in the extended like M- or MCU, Star Wars universe that wears that hat is Cad Bane. And again, I well, I have to like that because from... yeah, Cad Bane's hat is wider brimmed, but yeah, but still, um, I was very excited for Joe. Um, I was excited to see Ahsoka. Um, again, I haven't watched that much of the Clone Wars. I think I got through some of season two, um, but I really like Rosario Dawson, and I think she's doing a really good job. Um, away from Cad Bane, I will say that I am very adverse. To when they like CG over someone's face with someone else's face, or like they de-age, like they did with Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man. But um, they did a really good job on the CG for Luke. I thought it was really interesting, and it was really good, and it didn't make me feel weird. <laughs> uh, we can't talk about the other elephant in the room on this episode. Oh, uh, Luke. Luke's Luke's ultimatum to Grogu. Grogu's choice. <laughs> is I have it written down. <laughs> Makes it sound so ominous. It does. So I'll start off. When I first watched, when we were first watching the episode, I will fully admit, I think I was viewing it through rose-tinted glasses because I love Luke. He's a wonderful character. So my first impression about his, him putting the choice to Grogu, Grogu I felt like, he was for the first time giving Grogu the choice of what he wants. You know, he did not choose to be kidnapped by the empire. He did not choose to be, uh, taken back by, uh, uh, Mando. He didn't choose to be given over to Luke. These are all things that happened to him. And I, I really felt that Luke was saying, you get to make this choice for your life. And that could still be part of what Luke is saying, but he's saying, you know, you can choose to go be with, the Mandalorian, or you can choose to be a Jedi. The problem is, and a lot of people have brought up, is that he's saying that in order to be a Jedi, you have to let go of all of your attachments. And that's not who Luke is. Well, one could argue it is who Luke is since he's making him make the choice. That's not who Luke is when we see him at the end of Return of the Jedi. At the end of Return of the Jedi... Luke Skywalker is the person who looked at Obi-Wan and Yoda who were telling him you have to murder your father because there is no other way for the Empire to be eliminated. And he says, no, you are wrong. And he gave them the finger, essentially. And that is a character that is full of hope and understands 
um, I don't, I don't know if I want to say understands, but he's going to do things his way, and it worked. That's the thing. His love and attachment to his family and his friends and his father are what gets Vader to turn against the Emperor and help the rebels win the day. It's Vader's attachment to Luke. Which, I mean, one could go back and argue that, like, if the Jedi had just let him be with Amidala, he would have never turned into Vader. There's a lot of things the Jedi could have done that would have prevented his turn. (laughs) Well, that's Um, definitely true. But that'll be, that's a whole, like, four-hour podcast. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so, I when I first watched it, my thought was, this is somebody who's giving Grogu the choice. And then just before we started the podcast, I went back and I watched just that scene. And no, he it's pretty black and white what Luke is saying. Luke is saying, you have to choose attachments in a normal life or growing up as a Jedi. And that's not... When, when we finish Return of the Jedi, that is not the, um, the picture of what his Jedi Order is going to be. Or at least what they make us think it's going to be. Or me specifically. It's not what I thought Luke was going to do with the Order. I thought Luke was going to um, find you know some history and understand what they were and realize that the way he did things was more important than what the Jedi were teaching. Mm-hmm. Right. So do we have... Do you and I disagree on the fact that we both think that Grogu is choosing the Mandalorian? I don't think anybody debates whether or not... Or what Grogu is going to choose. No, he's going to take that little tiny chain mail and get the hell out of there the best guard chain mail <laughs> yeah yeah it, i'm gonna i'm really interested to see what they do in um in the final episode um is the final episode next week yeah okay. they're only doing seven episodes okay so um i had kind of a theory given that they've been leading us away from boba fett in boba fett's show mm-hmm do you think that the book of Boba Fett is a ploy? Like, the show's never really been about Boba Fett. It's been about this combination of, like, uh, how am I trying to say this? Like, yes, it's about Boba Fett, but it's more about, like, the overall, like, the Mandalorian and all these extended people. Okay, I think I get what you're going at because they are making um, an Ahsoka show. Mm -hmm. And it could have been, you know, just a thing that kind of, like a crossover season. Or like a bridge. Yeah, I I don't think they spend enough time with the other characters for that. For me, I'm just, as like I said, like, I don't know that much about Boba Fett. I never watched Clone Wars, which includes Bad Batch, Rebels. Never watched any of those. Um, I plan to, so don't come for me (laughs) on social media. But... For me, I'm just like, it really feels like they started writing Boba Fett. And then they're like, this guy is not interesting enough on his own. We'll give him this little bit of a, this is what happened when he got out of the Sarlacc pit. And this is where he is now. We're going to bring in these other characters. And that's how we get to Ahsoka. That's how we get to Mandalorian Season 3. Yeah, for for me... And I said this before, I feel like it, this show feels like uh, Filoni and Favreau just, they, they were told to make a Boba Fett show. Not that they had an idea and wanted to, 
but they were told to make a Boba Fett show. And the reason I say that is because it just feels like their heart isn't in it when you compare it to what we get with the Mandalorian focused episodes. Um, And the, the worst part about that is the fact that I say that because of this show, every episode, I'm not eager to see the next episode, but I am left wanting more. I want more information on why Boba Fett's doing what he's doing. I want more information about everything that's going on. I want Boba Fett to do more. Yeah. I think we both are like that. Like, Every time we turned off episode one, episode two, we're like, okay, where are they taking Boba Fett now? Like, and we wanted to see more of this story. One thing I want to bring up, and this is a question out there to anybody who might listen to this. In episode four, I think, it's when, uh, it's the episode where they're talking, where they're going into how Boba Fett and Fennec kind of get together as a duo and whatnot, Boba Fett says something about Bib Fortuna double-crossing him. What is he talking about? There, In what we have seen, at least, and what I have seen as far as Star Wars is concerned, I don't see anywhere where Bib Fortuna double-crossed Boba Fett. Boba Fett was thrown in a Sarlacc pit. Jabba was dead. Bib Fortuna says, fuck, I got a job. I'm just going to sit in this throne and reap the benefits of Jabba's hard work. Right. The only thing I could think of is, like, Maybe there was some unspoken agreement that job that um, that Boba Fett would pull him out of a is heir to the throne of the hut reign or whatever. But even then, like Bib Fortuna thought that Boba Fett was dead, so why wouldn't he take advantage? So yeah. if anyone wants to Enlighten give us info me. on that, <laughs> feel feel free. But like. Not in an asshole way, you know? Just be like, oh, hey, they dropped this line. And then we'll be like, cool. (laughs) You know? Yeah, and and I'll reiterate. I do like this show. I just feel like it is suffering by comparison to what John Favreau and Dave Filoni put forth beforehand, which is The Mandalorian. If if the book of Boba Fett had come out first, I think a lot of people would have a very different opinion. You know, I don't think they would be completely on the opposite of what their opinion is, but I think it would be held a little bit higher. Like, obviously, we wouldn't have Grogu. We wouldn't have that whole thing, but maybe they could have introduced the Mandalorian that way instead of introducing him on his own. But, you know, I think for the most part, again, like, we both really enjoy this show as Star Wars fans, as non-Boba fans. We're just kind of like... It really did take for me, especially until episode five, to be like, oh, this is a show I can actually be excited about watching instead of I need to watch this thing because I'm going to watch all the Star Wars shows. So, so what you're saying is, is you started being excited for this show when it stopped being about Boba Fett. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Well, that's enough about the book of Boba Fett. Uh, I think we've said our piece uh let's move on to what i'm most excited to talk about because i've been waiting for this for three years which is the legend of vox machina which um in case people don't know what the show is do you want to briefly touch on it because this is your show well yeah i so legends of vox machina is an animated series um from the people who do critical role which is a live streamed DD game it is loosely based on their first campaign when they were live streaming they launched a kickstarter to um fund a i think like a one hour special 
and the Kickstarter ended up raising like over $11 million. So they ended up being able to do 12 full-length episodes, and then after the Kickstarter, they got picked up by Amazon, and Amazon, I believe, is financing a second season already. And given, you know, the plague times that we're in, it took a while for the show to get going. And honestly, I don't, I don't even know if that's actually true. For all I know, they could have been complete, They could have been really fast. I don't know how long it takes to make an animated series. But it premiered two weeks ago. Um, they launched the first three episodes. And then this last week, they uh, released the next set of three episodes. I have watched them multiple times. Ashley was going to wait until um, they were all out. And then she was going to binge them in their entirety one day. But I said I wanted to talk about it on the podcast, and I didn't want to have to worry about spoiling things for her. So I said, okay, before we go, finally sit down and record this podcast we've been talking about for, like, the last year. Uh, Let's all watch them. You know, I I don't – I am coming from a place of I know what Critical Role is. Um, I know what D&D is. I played a little bit of D&D. I grew up – with D&D in my life. Um, Joe plays D&D every Friday, uh, sometimes with breaks. But So I know what Critical Role is. I've watched a few episodes, but I don't, um, I don't know anything about the legend of Vox Machina. I don't know plot. I don't know characters. So I am, I guess, the control. I am coming from this with no knowledge other than maybe what I have absorbed a bit here and there. So, And that's why I wanted you to watch it so we could talk about it because I think it's really interesting. I'm approaching the show from, as somebody who knows the characters. I know, like, essentially, like, I know what their stats would be because um, they have them online. But, you know, I have all this behind-the-scenes information on it. And... So you are like the person that goes into a movie when they've already read the book. You know the yeah, source but I'm not material. On it. <laughs> Very true. A lot that can be a whole episode in itself of of books that have been turned into movies and why people hate them. And let me just say, I am firmly on the side of let the movie be the movie, let the book be the book. But anyways, let's talk about this first six episodes. Okay, I'll start. I love it. Done. <laughs> so for me. Um, I, I believe I said this. I really like the animation style. It's really clean. Uh, I don't want to say classic anime, but it definitely has that feel. It's it, yeah, it has an anime feel, and you know because I was I was I uh, supported the Kickstarter. Um, I saw a lot of their behind the scenes stuff, um, and they the, the whole cast loves animation. They love, they love all forms of animation. And what one of the uh, things real I quick, love... in case people don't <clears throat> know, the entire cast is full of actors that do voiceovers, um, which I I find so critical really role. Awesome. Critical role. The live stream D anD D game is the the players are all voice actors as well as uh, the dungeon master Matt Mercer, right. and so they made the show and they are all voicing their characters. Right. So I just wanted to say that for the people that may not know, but. So they, you know, they're all big fans of animation and watching this show is like equal parts love letter to everything they love about all kinds of animation, but it's also very much its own thing, in my opinion. Um, and not necessarily that they're breaking new ground with what they're doing, but they're, 
they are paying homage to the things they love. Uh, one of your favorite things, which you'll, I'm sure you'll talk about in a minute, is very anime. But they, it's not all anime inspired. It feels like I, it's right. hard for me to explain what it is that I'm trying to get at. But like I said, it is a love letter to everything they love. But it's also it also stands on its own. Right. So the first two episodes of this show are kind of like backstory before you get into like their campaign. Yeah, so with the Kickstarter originally being a pitch for two feature-length episodes, the idea was always going to be they were going to do an original story, air quotes, um, that was more based on stuff that happened before the game started live streaming. And then as they started breaking goals and uh, records, they added more and more episodes. And they, with those episodes, they decided to attack one major plot arc from the first campaign, uh, which is the Briarwoods arc. Right. So back to the first two episodes. Um, as someone that had absolutely no knowledge about these characters, um, I really enjoyed that because it kind of gave me like a mini intro into their party, their group dynamic. Um, I wrote coin over character because that's basically what one of the characters says. is It seems like they value money over people. Um, I wrote what's in the box because <laughs> I knew there wasn't going to be gold in that, in that box, which the box I'm talking about is like what they'll be given if they can kill this monster. Um, and the guy who I thought was the villain ended up absolutely not being the villain. And it was actually, I don't want to say like a teddy bear S guy, but like you wouldn't think that, uh, Krieg was the villain. <laughs> Spoilers! Um, yeah, so for, I believe, anybody who knows anything about the game does would know that Krieg is the villain. Because it's not 100% original. It's just not something that was aired. Um, right. So they're able to, you know, just tell that story however they want. Um, yeah, and, uh, like I said, I think, again, for me, coming as someone that had never heard anything about the, th- the show, it definitely... It gave me a peek at like their dynamics, who they are as characters, started a couple of ships, getting those ships sailing. <laughs> do you wanna do you wanna say what your ships are? So look So so you can be either be spoiled if somebody does comment. First of all, I just have to say I'm not married to my ships. I just set them on their way. No no what I mean is are you going to be upset if somebody confirms your ship? Yes, please don't spoil my ships. <laughs> no, actually, I'm just kidding. I don't mind a spoiled ship. Um, We've said ship way too many I, times. I've said ship so seconds. many times. It's like the word has no meaning anymore. Anyways, look, I started reading romance novels way too young. I always have a ship, okay? So I believe my current ships are Vax, which is the boy. The, he, the male the male twin the male twin the uh rogue the rogue elf okay and then <laughs> if any of you have watched this show you're probably laughing at me because i don't know i have like i wrote down the you, you have you have vax and keyleth okay i have I vax remember, and keyleth as well, I was we were there. <laughs> as we were watching the show something would happen and ashley would look to me and just say i ship it <laughs> um i had like a mini ship of Scanlan and Pike, but I don't know if that's just because they're both like the gnomes. So we're we're gonna put a pin in that ship. 
Um, and I had... Well, Scanlon did ask Craig on a date. Oh, true. I thought I... He asked her to be his date for the dinner. I thought I had someone with Percy. You did. Did I have Keyleth with Percy, too? Or did I have Vex with Vex. Percy? But now that I've watched more episodes, I don't know. Because, like, I feel like Vex is just, like, a badass. And I don't know what's going on with Percy and the mask and the smoke. I'm like, I feel like I You're want hooked. better. You're hooked. <laughs> yes, I'm hooked. <laughs> anyway, so I'm also putting a pin in Vex and Percy. But I just, I want to know what the hell's going on with Percy. I will say, don't spoil that for me. That's fine. I, I um, what Joe was referring to earlier when it comes to like the animation style, I really geek out on things like um, how his glasses are opaque sometimes. Um, I think when that's... You get the, like, when you get the light glare. When, yeah, it's when you get the light glare when you can't see their eyes anymore. They're doing a really good job with that. Like That happens a lot in anime when like the characters like thinking about their past or like they're really deep in thought you just you can't see what they're thinking um and i really love that like i full-on geek out about it um other than that <laughs> so I'll, I'll talk about a few things that i really enjoy and these aren't going to be story related because i do know things right um but just little touches that they did to show the kind of care they put into it so um in at the end of the or no yeah the end of the second episode when they're fighting brimside they are fighting him in his horde which is this ice cavern that's just covered in gold and he is breathing lightning all over everything which the way he breathed the lightning was just so good yes but that's only generally related to what i'm talking about i don't know if you noticed it but at one point um you notice the gold start melting Mm-hmm. And it reaches a temperature to the point where it melts and it starts to glow. And for a good portion of the rest of the fight, there is this orange underglow that's hitting all of the characters. And it just, it makes every single frame pop. Yeah. It It's it's one of those things that it's like 99 times out of 100, an animation company is, it probably just wouldn't even think about that. And that's no fault. It's not like it would have been bad without that. But you see it and you look at it and you're like... I want that kind of attention to detail in everything that I watch it's now. It's so visually appealing. Um, it's just, it's like you said, it's one of those things where it's like. It you would never makes, miss it if it wasn't there. No, not even a little bit. It's, but when you see it, you're like, oh my gosh, this is beautiful. And um, so a little bit of inside knowledge, because the cat, some of the cast did a live watch and they were talking about that episode um from what i understand i want to say it was maybe the director um but some uh, somebody or a group of people actually went and looked at what temperature gold melts and then looked up what temperature lightning is and realized that if the gold gets hit by lightning it's going to melt wow um and so that triggered that there's also a scene uh, right at the beginning of that fight where they're dodging his um his lightning breath and grog dodges out of the way and if you notice, he drags his hand across the ground, but it's on a like street strip of gold coin that's there, and the lightning travels the gold gold coins and hits him. Right. You're just just little pieces like that that show the kind of love and care that they put into this. I was just gonna say, like, it clearly shows that the creators, which are 
Vox Machina, which is the Critical Role people. Mm-hmm. Um, and the animation studio, you can tell that they worked really closely together to like achieve this vision that they and, all had. And also, I want to make sure that you know we don't discredit like just the writers they brought in. So many like okay, so there is a lot of vulgar comedy. I don't have a problem with it. I have the sense of humor. I The same sense of humor I had when I was 14. I still have. Yeah, it I find is, it hilarious. Uh, for parents out there, it is an animation, but it is not an animation for children. There are boobs. There is a gnome scrotum. Yep. <laughs> so. Um, well, unless you let your kids watch that, no judgment here. Just but letting so, you know. So, yeah, there is a ton of foul language, but there is some dialogue that is just absolutely heart-wrenching. Um, I don't know. And I just, I love every element of it. Another small detail that I wanted to point out, I mentioned it to you after the episode or during the episode, but it's in the third episode when we actually meet the Briarwoods. Mm -hmm. Uh, spoiler alert, Silas Briarwood is a vampire. Uh, at one point they have Silas and his wife Delilah walking down a hallway and they purposefully put a mirror in that hallway for everyone who watched the show because the second I saw that mirror, I knew to look for Silas's reflection and it is not there because he's a vampire. Which I will just say as someone that didn't know he was a vampire, I didn't notice But you that. Know, it's not something you miss. It's not no, like, it's, it's just a clue. It, to me, it's kind of like... Because it's also revealed egg. like 30 seconds later. Yeah, it, for me, it's kind of like an Easter egg for the people that have already already know the story. Um, I know you and I have talked... You and I have, this kind of leads into this conversation. You and I have talked a little bit about how the critical reception that. Okay. So I, one of, something I like to do when I have something that I absolutely love, I kind of like to go look at bad reviews of it just so I can be like, (laughs) yep, I don't think that. Nope. I don't think that either. Nope. Don't think that either. But it has a few bad reviews. Now, overall though, it is doing phenomenally in its ratings. From what I've seen on, like, Rotten Tomatoes and stuff. Do we want to talk about the fact that there is some conversation about how there is supposedly a lack of character development? Well, so, okay, I went through and I read, I don't know how many uh, bad reviews. It's not, it wasn't a whole lot out of the overall number of reviews. And the majority of the reviews are, like, 8 to 10 stars. There are a few people who are, like, you know, there's no character depth. And for starters, these people, you know, these reviews were saying this after the first three episodes came out. And I'm like, it's been three episodes. You have to set a baseline first. You have to give us what we think the character is and then show what's underneath. And they even do that still in the first three episodes. There's a point at the end of the first episode where you think that these guys are just going where the gold is. And then they decide to do the right thing because it's going to save people. Right. And so before we watched these six episodes Joe was telling me about this and I was like okay well I don't know anything about this so I'm gonna watch it and try to say like oh yeah I think this character is lacking but I will just say by the third episode I did not feel like these characters are lacking depth um yes there are things that we don't know That is true of every single show that I have ever watched in my life. Like, okay, we were talking earlier about Friends. We get little glimpses of Monica being a neat freak in the first couple of episodes, but we don't really dig into that until way later. So to me, again, it's like, 
I mean, fanboys are going to fanboy, but... Well, that's the thing. Some of them are fanboys. Some of them are just people being critical. Like, it's just not to their taste. Right. And, like, I think for us, and maybe, you you know, people will get this by listening to us talk, but we always try to approach the things we watch from a place of love and, like, care and, like, wanting this thing to be good. We try not to see things that aren't there, I guess. Yeah, and, like, the honestly, the vast majority of people who were giving it bad ratings, a lot of their reason was that they don't like the humor and they don't like the language. And I'm like, okay, that's fair. That doesn't make it a bad show. And I understand that these reviews are their opinions, and I'm not saying that they're wrong in their opinions, but I, like I said, I have the same sense of humor I had when I was 14. So every dick joke in this show I find hilarious. Well, and I am also secretly a 14-year-old boy, so <laughs> um, I just think that, like, if... The humor isn't for you. It is not a show for you. For me, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was hilarious. Um, I love the characters. I'm a little bit sad that next week is the last three episodes. Nope, not next week. It's oh. 12 episodes total. Oh, okay, good. For so some they, they drop three next nine. week and then, no, three next week and then three the week after. Okay, good. I'm relieved. <laughs> and then I'll watch that show probably once a week in its entirety. Yeah, While Joe I wait really for loves season it. two. It's... So as somebody who plays D&D, one of the things that I love most about it is, and this touches on the some of the dialogue and the humor and the profanity, but it's like the dialogue is the same kind of dialogue my friends and I have our characters say when we're sitting at the table. We don't not use the word fuck because it's D&D. Like, that's the way we talk. And that humor and that stuff is what they decided to make their show because that was the basis for these characters. And... I applaud them for sticking to what they wanted to make. They very easily could have, you know, realized, could have said, look, it's going to go over more if we have less profanity. But to me, they said, no, this is the show we want. These are the way the we portrayed the characters when we were playing the game. So this is who the characters are going to be. Yeah, I think they definitely could have watered down some of the stuff to make it like more palatable for maybe like a pg-13 audiences are arguably this is pg-13 but there's a lot of very visually graphic violence and boobs and boobs and gnome scrotum as i said before there's one instance of gnome scrotum (laughs) but it um i like i said as someone that doesn't know anything about what's really happening i'm excited to watch the next episodes so we could touch on uh, some of the voice cast that they got to outside of the main characters. Because, I mean, they got some uh, big names. And, and actually, we should probably shouldn't. Because the only one I can think of off the top of my head right now is David Tennant. I was going to say, <laughs> I know that the actor that does the voice of Azula on Avatar The Last Airbender does the voice of... Delilah Briarwood. Delilah Briarwood. Unfortunately, I don't know her name. I just know that we both really like Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah. Um, and is a great villain. And uh, I have a feeling that Delilah is going to be a really good villain as well. Yeah, uh, so we could spend another four hours talking about the show if you want, or <laughs> uh, we could call that a night. Yeah, I think uh, this is pretty good first episode, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it can only get better. Maybe. It can only get better. That's what I've been telling myself for the last two years. <laughs> Do you want to run down the socials one more time? Let's move it back to the front of the mullet. All right. Back to the front of the mullet. Again, uh, you can find us 
honestly, mainly you're going to find us on Twitter, which is RSP Pod, and uh, probably a little bit on Instagram, regularly scheduled pod. Joe and I are both kind of new to TikTok. I don't know that we'll do anything there, but again, regularly scheduled pod. And uh, I would love to get some emails going at regularly scheduled pod at gmail.com. And if you email us, we'll probably talk about your email on the podcast. Yeah, we need something to talk about other than TV. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, anyways, thanks for listening. And hopefully we will do an episode next week also. Hopefully. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.